The following is a hoop ball presentation. So NBA opening night is obviously the marquee event. It's the official night of basketball in the National Basketball Association. Get the marquee teams, at least four of them, storylines, the defending champs, all of that. So two nights ago, you know, Warriors, Nets, Lakers, Clippers, right? Not too bad. Warriors, Nets, we talked about it. Uh, Lakers, Clippers, slightly closer. But yesterday? Yesterday was the real opening night. 13 games. 26 teams. Everybody that did not play two days ago played last night. And boy, oh boy, was it a ton of stuff. Got something to get into, so uh, let's get to it. This is NBA Today, hoopball presentation. You know we do every day, talking about the National Basketball Association. Can't find any better thing to be doing right now. It's a lovely time. As I just said, hoopball presentation, so definitely make sure to check that out. Hoopball, hoop-ball.com online at HoopBallTweets on Twitter. You can follow me at CorbinNBA on Twitter. Love the content going on. Check out HoopBall for a bunch of things. First of all, the HoopBall 360, everything you need to level up. I've said it, I'll say it again. It's amazing, chock full of content. But the one thing, the one feature I'm really enjoying is the super dope Discord chat they have. For real. Uh, I got myself a little little channel in there. It's kind of nice. Um or a little subdivision, whatever you want to call it. Just talking NBA basketball, and it's so dope to be able to watch the games and be able to talk to people real time, like you were chilling at the bar or hanging with the buddies, you know, and just talking basketball. The chat was lit last night, uh, especially uh, during some certain games. Uh, I would shout some names. I will in the future, but I had a lot of fun with those folks, and I look forward to having more in the future. But you can't get in there if you don't become a part of the hoop ball fam. So check out Hoopball 360, see what you can do to join a part of the great team. And it wasn't just general NBA talk. They have team-specific chats. You have the fantasy basketball best in the biz between Dan Bespris, Adam King, Brandon Marcus. You have a ton of great stuff in there. So I don't know what y'all waiting on. Uh, definitely check that out at Hoopball Tweets, hoop-ball.com. All right. Without further ado, let's get into some hoops. We had a plethora of stuff go down. Uh, first off. Let's just run through some of the blowout slash, you know, games that weren't as interesting to me. <laughs> I checked them all out, and it was it was amazing to be going between League Pass, um, TNT, ESPN. Everyone had games last night. By the way, if you're not taking advantage of this, NBA League Pass is doing a free preview uh, online, uh, pay-per-view, all of that through the 28th. So there is really no excuse for you not to be able to get your hands uh, or your eyes, I mean, on some basketball. So definitely make sure to check that out. Again, free preview through the 28th. They usually do it for the opening week, and then they'll roll it out, I think, around All-Star break, um, and then toward the end of the season, if I remember. I think you get, like, three. Uh, Actually, one might be around Martin Luther King time. But the point being, definitely make sure to get an eye on that. All right. Remember those uh, revamped Blazers with that deep bench that I, you know, me and Justin in our previews gave huge uh, raving reviews to? They got blown the doors open by the Utah Jazz last night, 120-100. to 100. Uh, CJ McCollum led the way with 23 points, but honestly, it was the defense that did the talking, or in Portland's case, did not do the talking. Utah ran wild. I mean, effective field goal percentage of 55%, offensive rating of 122. Nobody shot especially well, 
uh, I mean, all what you, Mike Conley, 18 points, 40% shooting. Donovan Mitchell, 20 points on 37% shooting. Bogdan Bogdanovich, 15. Bojan Bogdanovich, excuse me, 15 points on 35% shooting. But all three of those guys I just mentioned knocked down four threes. Uh, off the bench, Joe Ingles came off with 14 points, five rebounds, seven assists. Clarkson, 15 points, seven rebounds. As a team, the Jazz shot. 53 pointers. They'd make 50. They shot 50, which is a lot for them. They made 19 of them for a robust 38%. For Portland, Dame couldn't get it going. 4 of 12 from the field, 21 point. I mean, tw- 4 of 12 from the field, 9 points. He was a minus 21. Uh, mentioned Cesar McCollum leading all scores at 23. Uh, even he was kind of cooking, but 36% from the field, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. It, there wasn't really any positive traction. One thing I liked, at least from the Portland side, Derek Jones Jr., who shot horribly from three last year shot the three ball pretty well in the preseason came on knocked down three last night uh unfortunately only three conversions of the nine total shot attempts he did he took up uh but nine points four rebounds off the bench trent was the only one who did damage alongside Ennis canter Carmel anthony got some shots up and that was why you had five blazers in double digits but only two were in the starting lineup uh those were being yusuf nurkic and cj mccollum so not the best game. Season McCollum afterwards said that they played hard. They just didn't play well. Um, Certainly one way of putting it. Certainly one way of putting it. Again, this is opening night. You know, a little different. But I thought that this would have been the perfect matchup for Portland. Outside Donovan Mitchell, Utah doesn't really have that dynamic shot creator. Unless you want to throw Jordan Clarkson in there, which I don't. So um, that's kind of what you have going on there. But it, it just seemed like they were outmatched. I mean, it was uh, huge that what Utah scored... 30 points in two of the quarters, uh, was on the cusp of it in the third, finishing with 29, and then scored 26 in the fourth. Portland managed 25, or 32 being their highest, but that was in garbage time, uh, 24 in the third quarter, and then they even barely got 20 in the second. So, you know, Utah got the jump. It was a close game at the end of one, uh, and then they rode it to a blowout by halftime, pretty much. So, something to check out there. Uh, not really concerned yet. Portland's still getting together. I feel like Yusef Nurkic, and this is my own thought, I just feel like he's kind of out of it. I mean, it's been a long year for a lot of these NBA players. Let's give this right. I mean, the COVID pandemic has hit everyone, and it's hit NBA players as well. Carl Anthony Towns being another one. We'll talk about him and the, and the Timberwolves in a little bit. But this is a lot of a burden to have to deal with that and then go out and put uh, you know, for hours at a time, all of your energy into a game, you know? I just feel like Nurkic is kind of out of it. Again, I'm not a Portland expert. I don't have my, my uh, shoes on the ground there, but that's just what I'm looking at. I think he'll round the form, but, you know, just early observations. But, yeah, next game, Pelicans. They beat the Raptors in what was a close game until the Pelicans pulled away early. Pelicans won 113-99. to Brandon Ingram, I'll talk about him in a little bit. He actually... uh. Makes my nightly notable list. Uh, top five performances I saw the night before. We'll get to that. But he was cooking. Coming off that max, he had was 24 points, 9 rebounds, 11 assists. Primary offensive initiator. 52% shooting, 10-19 from the field, knocked down three three-pointers. Uh, starting five for the Pelicans. I thought this was interesting. Lonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe in the backcourt, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson in the front court, and Steven Adams at center, which we kind of already knew after he was acquired. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, 50% shooting, knocked down four threes, 18 points, six assists, seemed to mesh okay in the backcourt alongside Lonzo, who had 16 points, five rebounds, knocked down four threes, shot pretty effectively. Off the bench, 
the, the guy was J.J. Redick, man. Six three-pointers, 23 points, three rebounds, knocked down some big shots. One guy who did not have the best game for the Pelicans, Zion. Although, the numbers wouldn't tell you. 15 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, 7-9 from the field. Um, only 1-4 from the free throw line. The Raptors' defense, I thought, was pretty effective on him. He got stripped a couple of times, uh, looked a little out of sorts, driving to the basket, you know, meeting defenders at the top, and the defenders having more of an impact uh, than I remember last year. Again, one game, not really tripping, but... I mean, and he still finished shooting 77%. So, like, nothing to really, you know, take any major takeaways from. But even, like, as dominant as I remember, it really was Brandon Ingram who led the show, man. That guy is smooth. He's His game is the closest I know to Kevin Durant's. And I'm not saying that Kevin Durant obviously is a lot more of a score. Um, and, and his ease in getting into his shots and everything. But you look at the profile, the types of shots, uh, obviously the form. That's been compared since he was drafted. And you go, wow. Like, wow, Corbin, you're right. If you're not saying that, I will. Um, he plays like this, man. That's a second All-Star appearance right there. I mean, that's no All-Star game, but y'all, y'all get what I mean. That's an All-NBA team, probably. I'm very high on Brandon Ingram. For the Raptors, Pascal Siakam bounced back. Remember last year? Uh, he's still the primary option. 20 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, 47% for the field. Knocked down 3 threes. Only got to the free throw line once. One of two from the line there. So that was interesting. Kyle Lowry knocked down some big shots. Kept it close for the most part. 18 points, 10 assists. Still playing. Tremendous, man. Kyle Lowry is one of my favorites. OG and Anobi did not have a great game. Uh, 8 points, 8 rebounds. Had a decent uh, block, if I remember. He had a nice block. And Giannis returned the favor on him. Or Zion returned the favor on him uh, in one play. Just swat that stuff off the sky. But all in all, he took five threes, and an OB did, missed all of them. You know, just trying to find his rhythm there. Uh, Fred Van Vliet also didn't have a great shooting night, 3-12 from the field, 2-8 from three, nine points, three rebounds, three assists. Off the bench, eh, didn't get much better. You know, Norman Powell was that main guy off the bench last season. He reprised most of that role playing uh, team high 23 minutes off the bench. Well, team high off the bench, I mean. And 2-11 of 11 from the field, 1-6 of six from three, really couldn't find any traction, 12 points, one rebound, one assist. Chris Boucher was really the star. 14 minutes, but very efficient in those minutes. Uh, 12.5 rebounds. 6-8 from the field. Misses only three. That's what you got. Matt Thomas did what Matt Thomas does. Comes off the bench and hits threes. Um, aside from that, DeAndre Bembry got five minutes. Didn't do anything. Uh, Terrence Davis got two. Stanley Johnson won. Malachi Flynn won. All at the very end. Uh, when New Orleans had pretty much had that decided. So, interesting to see how the Pelicans are going to keep playing. Uh, they had a, a decent, if, if not a little bit lower, in terms of pace, 106 offensive rating for the Pelicans, 64% effective field goal percentage, uh, hammered the glass. You know, they, they 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 did that kind of stuff. They had a huge scoring third quarter, 38 points in that third. Uh, that really kind of pushed the margin over. So that was big. New Orleans is one of my league pass teams. Still trying to get a handle on how they're going to play with Stan Van Gundy with, in my opinion, not a whole lot of wings to kind of go around there. It's going to be interesting to see how that, moves forward, but that's what I'm looking at for sure. Right, moving on to our next game. This one, eh, again, it was okay. It was a blowout. Pacers beat the Knicks 107-121. to 121. DeMontis Sabonis is the, this is the name of this game. 32 points, 13 rebounds, played like the star that he was for the Pacers last year, uh, you know, for the most part. Really just did it all. Uh, New York was actually in it with the Pacers for that first quarter. And then um, 
the Pacers just were consistent. They were with them for the first and through the second. Pacers came in in the third and fourth and really pushed themselves out and ahead for the win. Julius Randle for the Knicks had a decent game. One of the better games I remember seeing from Julius in a Knicks uniform. All in all, 17 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists for er, for Randle. Hope I said Julius Randle, not Julius Irving. <laughs> RJ Barrett played very well as well. 26 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, but on an just electric 73% shooting. 11 of 15 from the field. Knocked down all threes. Only got to the free throw line once, but that jumper, baby, that jumper was falling. Uh, for the rest of the Knicks, Reggie Bullock, 11 points. Uh, Alfred Payton, 7 points on 7 shots. Mitch Robinson, 21 minutes. Uh, you know, only 3 fouls which I thought he was going to get in foul trouble a lot earlier, but three points, six rebounds, wasn't really a tremendous factor at all. Off the bench, Alec Burks, y'all know his job. He comes off the bench and he fills it, and he did that again. 22 points, four rebounds, three assists, 50% shooting, knocked down two threes. Obi Toppin in his rookie debut, uh, yeah, nine points, three rebounds, one assist, three of 12 from the field, three three-pointers. Not super great there, uh, but, you know, it, it's it's the first game, you know. One thing I was surprised, uh, I was really hoping to see a lot more uh, Frankie Frankie Smokes. Only got four minutes of Frankie. I'm not happy. But let's talk about the real star. I already mentioned him. It's a bonus, man. Whew. 32 points. Got it. 13 rebounds. Check. Five assists. Got it. You want some threes? He gave you two. Went to the free throw line. Eight of 12. The guy was a beast. The star that stirred the drink for the Pacers. And they had a heck of a drink last night. Malcolm Brogdon. 21 points. Eight assists on 50% shooting. Miles Turner. Missed all four threes. 10 points, 8 rebounds, but, you know, pretty solid all in all. Victor Oladipo. Now, this is what I like to see. This is more or less what I think Victor Oladipo's stat line will be. And I'm not a fantasy guy or anything like that, but if I'm getting 20 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, I'm looking okay at that if I'm Oladipo. Is that star numbers? No. I mean, like, okay, it's, it's, it's maybe star numbers, not superstar numbers. Is it the best player on your team? You most certainly hope not. You know, you want a little bit more production there. But it's not bad. For where Victor Oladipo was last year, you know, coming off of uh, the injury-riddled season that he had where he was kind of out of sorts with the Pacers, no, I'm not complaining at all. 9-14 from the field was Oladipo. Knocked down two threes. Seemed pretty comfortable. One guy who did not seem comfortable, TJ Warren. Five points, one rebound, one assist, 2-8 from the field. Missed both threes. Off the bench, short, short bench. D- uh, Doug McDermott, Justin Holiday, TJ McCollum, Aaron Holiday. That's it. Aaron Holiday, seven points, two assists. Uh, McCollum, M- 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 TJ McCollum. 5-5, five and five, 5 points, 5 assists, 6 points, 4 rebounds for Justin Holiday, 13 points, 6 rebounds for 2 assists for Doug McDermott, who missed all 6 threes. Yeah, Doug McDermott, the shooter. Not not last night he wasn't, but still effective. Decent line. Pacers and the Knicks. I mean, I didn't expect the Knicks to win this. I was pleasantly impre- um, surprised and impressed by the way that some of these Knicks did perform. Uh, most notably, Randall and Barrett. Barrett because he made everything. Randall because I just feel like he had, for once, a, a multifaceted game. Yes, he was a factor on the glass. Yes, he was scoring the ball effectively. Yes, he was passing decently. Or at least racking up the assists, keeping the ball moving. For 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 Randall, I think assists are, are, are a direct barometer of how much or how well he's moving the ball. Because, yes, they have to make the shot, but Randall has to make the pass. And if you've watched Julius Randall for any stretch of time, whether that be in L.A., whether that be in... Um, New Orleans, uh, whether that be in New York. I'm missing a stop for Randall. I know I am. Yikes. I'm missing a stop for Julius Randall. But wherever you've watched him, he's someone who he very much has his eyes on the basket, and that is what it is. 
You know, they say, got my eyes on my money and my money on my mind. He got his eyes on the basket and the basket on his mind. That That's Julius Randle. He's not exactly someone known as a... You wouldn't exactly compare him to a DeMontis Sabonis. I'll just say that. But for his first game, this was solid. This was solid. At least making an effort. And I didn't think I'd see this come preseason because it wasn't like he was doing that. But, okay, he is now. Oh, by the way, I just checked myself, fact-checked myself. NBA Today, we do that. And no, I didn't miss a spot. He's played for the Lakers, the Pelicans, and the Knicks. Whoop-de-doo. All right. Let's move on to the next game. We had a bunch of games, y'all. Atlanta, despite being shorthanded, blew out Chicago 124-104. to Atlanta just breezed through offensive onslaught. 42 points in the first quarter, 41 points in the second, 28 in the third. They kind of finally bowed out in garbage time with 13. But Chicago was hapless, even though Chicago had some decent performances. There were some good stretches there. But all in all, Trey Young was cooking, y'all. 37 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, 5 of 6 from 3. Only missed 2 shots on the night. And he wasn't the only one. That entire starting 5 shot 54% or better from the field. And the starting 5, Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, Danilo Gallinari. Yeah, surprise, right? Cam Reddish and John Collins. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, 5 of 6 from the field. Danilo Gallinari, 4 of 6. Cam Reddish, 6 of 11. John Collins, who did not reach that extension, 6 of 10. All five in double figures with two off the bench in double figures as well for Atlanta. Those two being Kevin Herter and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, Herter, four of ten, knocked down two threes, two rebounds, four assists, took along with 11 points. Bogdanovich, five of 12, knocked down three three-pointers, seven rebounds, two assists to go with his 15. But, I mean, everyone who could suit up played for the Hawks. Solomon Hill, Kevin Herter. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Bruno Fernando, Brandon Goodwin, Skyler Mays, Nathan Knight. Those last two got five minutes apiece for the Hawks, who utterly dominated the Bulls, despite being without Rajon Rondo, Chris Dunn, Anyeka Kwongu. Uh, they, they, they missed a few of those guys, and they still made it happen. For Chicago, I mean, they just really couldn't get going for a little bit, aside from Larry Markkinen, Markkinen who did decent, 21.7 rebounds, 4 assists on 6-9, and nine. and then you look at Zach Levine, uh, not efficient, but 22 points, and nothing else really, two rebounds, one assist, that was really it, Patrick Williams, he's the guy who you look at as, as real hope moving forward, he got the start, 5 of 11, knocked down a 3, 16 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist, that's a bright spot, do I expect that level of production from him moving forward, I'm not going to lie, no, I don't. I think it'd be like a between 10 and 14 points a game player. Maybe I'm wrong and grossly misjudge what he can put out there on the floor, but he was a bright spot for them. Uh, I want to take a little bit more from him before I really factor him in. For me, Mark and, and Levine obviously have been more or less the pieces of Chicago for the last couple of years, and you want to say less tonight, but or last night. But uh, Williams, he played well. Kobe White, he did not play well. Uh, 9.7 assists, looks okay. Uh, 2 of 11 from the field, 1 of 7 from 3 does not. Only got to the line twice, 4 of 4 there, but, I mean, wasn't super aggressive outside of his jumper, which just was not falling. Otto Porter off the bench, 14 points, 5 rebounds, uh, 5 of 10 from the field. Ryan Archie Diakono, um, he played okay. All in all, Chicago just couldn't get it going. 41% from the field as a team, 22% from 3, only 35 three-point attempts, too. I mean... That's the same as Atlanta, but Atlanta knocked down 14 of them, whereas Chicago knocked down eight. That's the difference in shooting 22% from three and 40% from three. And uh, that was one of the many differences in this win for Atlanta last night. So, 
I mean, once they get healthy, I really want to see how this rotation gets worked out. With John Collins not reaching that extension, is he on the move for Atlanta? Will they be shopping? And if so, are they going to showcase him more? Kind of see if they can get anything for him. Are they going to give him Yeke Kong with those minutes? How does that work out? Uh, Danilo Gallinari starting, was that because of injuries? Uh, is he starting now? Because I was confused on that. Really thought Bogdanovich was going to start alongside Young. So, just some minor questions there. All right. Let's talk about Cleveland and Charlotte. Because, my God. My God. Terry Rozier. Scary Terry, my guys and gals. Scary Terry. He was crazy last night. Got the start. By the way, uh, let's talk about that. So, LaMelo Ball came off the bench. Uh, anyone who thought that he wasn't going to, uh, no, he will be coming off the bench, at least to start. Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham played very well last year. They were definitely going to get there. Uh, Cody Zeller, we'll talk about him in a minute. He's the starter, or was. Uh, Gordon Hayward was going to get the start. You want to bring him over for that. And P.J. Washington, of course, excuse me, he was going to do the same. So, yeah, there's just no room. Maybe down the line, LaMelo Ball starts outplaying. Uh, Devontae Graham or Terry, you know, he gets in there. Um, maybe the Hornets start falling, you know, much, much short of expectations much, much earlier. And then you start making an adjustment that way. But in my mind, there was no way, no way that Lamelo was going to get the start first. And you know what? The way that Scary played, uh, and Scary being Terry Rozier, he might not supplant him. Rozier, man, 42 points. 42 points. That's a career high. 15 of 23 from the field. 10 three-pointers. 10 of 16 from three. Got to the line twice, only two of four there, only three rebounds, only two assists. But when you score 42 of a team's 114 points and you knock down 10 of their 16 three-pointers on your own, my guy's a star. Put him in the all-star game. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I love me some Terry Rozier. I think he's still trying to find where he fits in. Not a point guard. Is he more of an undersized shooting guard? Is he more of like a lighted-up six-man? You know, he's still young. Still, what, 26? Still time for him to figure that out. But last night, wow, the dude was blazing. Another guy who was very effective from the field, Gordon Hayward. Yes, 28 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists. He wanted the ball more. He got the ball more. And look what he did with that ball, y'all. <laughs> Just saying. 11-18 from the field. Four three-pointers. The dude looked comfortable. The dude looked spry. Really nice to see that. Playing injured as well. Remember, he injured that hand. Still getting in there and looking very good. Uh, guys who didn't look very good. Let's just put them together. P.J. Washington, Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham took up those threes. He chucked up nine of them, made two. He did have a double-double, 10 points, 10 assists, and a lot of those Terry Rozier because look what that dude did. But all in all, effectively, as far as shooting, not the case. P.J. Washington won a five, two rebounds, two assists, four points. This is after Charlotte talked so much about how they were going to play through Washington more. You know, probably almost had many of us scared about how they would overmax his abilities in terms of what to do with the ball. And uh, then he does that. So... Eh, you know, didn't even have foul trouble, but that was the thing. Cody Zeller. Oh, man. Now, let me just get through my thoughts on Cody Zeller first. I was really hoping that James Wiseman, this was in the draft, would fall to um, the Hornets because Cody Zeller is a serviceable center. 28 years old, solid guy, like seriously, solid player, um, solid person. But not someone that's going to be part of your core moving forward on an expiring deal. We'll be a free agent next year. I mean, you had some talking about he'd be getting a buyout. That's not going to happen. He'd more than likely be traded. Uh, maybe Charlotte would put him out there, play him more with the opportunity to say, hey, look at Cody Zeller. He's averaging a double-double. He's looking good. Uh, maybe I can get a late first or something for him. Uh, unfortunately, that will not happen, uh, at least in the short term. Cody Zeller suffered a fractured left hand last night. He was quickly ruled out for the remainder of the game. It is too soon to tell how much time he will miss. 
Although, if you sit listen to James Borrego, he does not sound super optimistic. He said, Cody is obviously going to miss more time, sometime, and need other, and we need other players to step up, end quote. Now, Zeller, before he went down in 19 minutes, six points, three rounds, three steals. Uh, but, and, and honestly, that was a big reason why, and yeah, I talk so much about the Hornets because I like him, but let's talk about the Cavs. The Cavs missed him. I mean, not the Cavs, the Hornets missed him because the Cavs just went off in the second quarter. 41-point second quarter, no defensive resistance. That was why they were able to hold, really just take control and then hold on for the win. Because ultimately, as much as I talk about Charlotte, it was Cleveland who won. So let's talk about Cleveland here. They're led by Colin Sexton. Yep, Colin Sexton is still back to his high-scoring ways. 27 points in assuring five assists, three three-pointers, got to the line a couple times, 6-9 from there. Larry Nance, double-double, 13 points, 13 rebounds, and check this out, 8 assists as well for the big guy. Isaac Okoro, what did I say, y'all? I said he would probably get the start on Twitter. If y'all follow me, I said I really was high on Isaac Okoro swooping in and getting the start of the three for Cleveland, and he didn't disappoint. 11 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 three, three rebounds, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, 11 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds, can't talk, so sorry. 4 or 5 from the field, knocked down his 1-3. Played very effective, hounding people. I mean, the dude is a, is a stud. He's a stud. I might have to, and I'm going to start doing this next week, putting out like my early kind of um, rookie of the year leaderboards, but he is moving up there. He is moving up there for sure. Wow. Darius Garland played well as well. 22 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 three-pointers. Andre Drummond took a 3. Didn't make it, but you know what he did do? <laughs> he tallied 14 points. 14 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal for the big guy in 27 minutes. Off the bench, JaVale McGee, 13.7 rebounds, 1 assist. The Lakers missed him two nights ago. <laughs> uh, Chetty Osman, who came off the bench, that studying vet, 11 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. He knocked down 3 threes. Dean Wade got some time. Good to see him. Dylan Windler got some time. We didn't really see a whole lot of those guys last year. Uh, they did okay. But honestly, the story of them, about the, the ba- I mean, the starting five, Starting five for Cleveland, y'all. Like, if they play like that, moving the ball, sharing the rock, all five guys starting got at least four assists. That ball was pinging. Darius Garland played very effective. A lot of hope moving forward in his sophomore year. Colin Sexton, he can keep this up. This is his third year. We're seeing a little more versatility, maybe? I don't know. Larry Nance, the dude's a, the dude's a pro. The dude's a pro's pro. He plays well. This is good to see. Uh, and, yeah, Cleveland just ran off with that one. Uh, Charlotte played well, lots to take away encouragingly, but they are going to have to figure out uh, who now replaces Cody Zeller. Do you bring in Bismack Biombo? Do you bring in Miles Bridges at the four, slide PJ to the five? That's possible. Uh, Jalen McDaniels, you can almost certainly expect to get some more time. Uh, maybe uh, Vernon Carey gets more time in terms of where you play that big position. James Brigger already has to make some tough choices already. And, you know, if you're doing, I mean, Cody Zeller's out, so you could, that's an open spot to bring in Miles and put PJ at the five if that's what you ultimately want to do. But maybe Borrego decides to switch up even more. It's going to be interesting to see how that is moving forward. Uh, check out Fantasy NBA today for that fantasy aspect of it because I know uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure a few of you guys have uh, Zeller in your leagues and now it's time to, you know, re uh, kind of figure that up real quick. So definitely check out Dan, one of the best in the biz. His show is bomb. And he'll have all that fantasy advice that I really can't provide for you. My guess, though, is that you bring in PJ, push him up to the five, bring in Miles Bridges at the four. He plays okay there anyway, and you just kind of roll with that. 
Only problem I have is that Bridges has such chemistry with LaMelo Ball, who, by the way, we got to talk about him for a split second here. LaMelo Ball, um, 15 minutes, did not shoot the ball well, didn't even register a point, three assists, one rebound. Eh, it was rather a uh, blink and you miss it rookie debut for him, you know? I knew it wasn't that crazy because I watched some of the Charlotte game, but I didn't see him on Twitter trending or anything like that. So you knew, okay, you know, nothing nothing huge there um, in terms of any highlight passes or whatever. But, yeah, no, he just uh, didn't have it. And, honestly, when Terry Rozier did have it like he did and Devontae Graham still played solidly and was at least making something, you could see why. I do expect uh, LaMelo to be on a tight leash to start and then given more room, more reign as, it, as the season progresses. So I'm not entirely surprised by the state of affairs here but you know i did expect more run than 15 minutes all right we are making through up the spurs despite a career night by jean morant beat the grizzlies 131 to 119 we gotta talk about jean morant real quick because again another guy on my nightly notable list i should probably just talk about those first and then go into the game who knows but jean morant y'all the dude is the dude's just different as they say on twitter 44 points, 9 assists, career-high 44, I might add. 2 steals, a block. I mean, the guy was everywhere. The jumper was falling. He only took 2 threes, knocked down 1. He was getting to to the line, getting to the rim. Couldn't be stopped. Plus 10 overall. Uh, Really the leader, uh, obviously really the leader for the Grizz, but especially last night where you had some solid performances. Dylan Brooks played within himself, which is good, especially if you remember the way the bubble just exploded around both him and the Grizzlies season with the way that he was playing down the stretch. Uh, 16 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists. Really good game from him. Uh, Valen Shooters had double-double. 15, 13, 2 assists as well. Kyle Anderson and, and, and Grayson Allen, they were there. Uh, didn't really do a whole lot, although Kyle Anderson did give you 10 rebounds with 7 points. But really, the name of the game, the star of the show, the straw that stirred the drink, all of these... Uh, I, I, these great sayings you say about a guy who totally dominates, they go to John Moran. And yet, the Spurs are still going to spur. They just will, it seems. Uh, really balanced game. You had seven players in double digits for the Spurs, all five starters led by DeMar DeRozan, who, <laughs> this is a classic stat line for him now with the Spurs, it seems like. 28 points, nine rebounds, nine assists, maybe more on the high side for him. He's usually like a 25, 5-5 five five guy with San Antonio. But this is, this is where it comes in handy. 50% from the field, right? Didn't even take a three. Didn't even think about a three. A three never crossed his mind. And, and we knew this and it wouldn't. We knew it would, but, like, it didn't. But he was, again, the offensive initiator for this this team, really got them into their sets, um, played well, played within himself, got to the line relentlessly, 14 of 15 from the free throw line. He's a star. Even with that minus one and that plus minus, that don't mean a darn thing right now. You watched the game. You know how he played. Lonnie Walker, who got that starting two, Played well as, as well, well as well. 16.6 rebounds, two assists, uh, knocked down three threes. Keldon Johnson got a lot of run, and Keldon Johnson looks like a guy. Like, he's going to be really good. I can see him as part of the Spurs system for years to come. 16 points, five rebounds, three assists. DeJounte Murray, 21 points, six rebounds, nine assists. Another guy who, alongside DeRozan, just totally handled the playmaker responsibility for San Antonio, and I expect that moving forward as well. LaMarcus Aldridge. Now, he's someone I'm really looking at moving forward. 20 points. 9 of 17 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3, uh, 3 rebounds, 1 assist. He's playing so far away from the basket, whether he's shooting that mid-range J that he likes or spacing out to 3. So he hasn't really been dominant on the boards, but I also feel like he slipped somewhat in the preseason. 
and, and yeah, you know, he's coming back from shoulder surgery. The dude's 35. Like, is he become more of an offensive-type specialist? Is he losing his fastball or losing more of it? You know, I don't know. So I was really looking at him. He looked okay. I mean, he got the numbers. But I think it's going to be a little more um, games to add to the sample size to really see where we are on LaMarcus Aldridge. Off the bench, Rudy Gay, 10 points. Uh, Patty Mills, 13. Patty Mills, man, I love the way Patty's playing this year. He is firing it up without a conscience. And being as good as a shooter that he is, that is not a problem for me. 5'11 from the field, knocked down two threes, 13 points, two rebounds, two assists. Rudy Gay, 10 and 7, go along with an assist as well. Uh, rookie, Devin Bassell, rookie watch. Didn't do a whole lot, 19 minutes, one of four, three points, three rebounds. Not a whole lot going on there. Yaka Pertle, ah, didn't really look very good. Not going to lie to y'all. 4.7 rebounds and an assist, just under 20 minutes. I was surprised that Trey Jones didn't play, um, especially playing Memphis. Uh, you know, his brother, Trey's over there. I mean, Trey not playing with his brother playing in Memphis, uh, Tyus. And, and Tyus playing uh, off the bench. Tyus had seven points, one rebound, one assist. Just knowing how those two are, being brothers, being close, being in the NBA, you know, opening night, uh, I thought that, you know, they tried him out for a couple minutes, and that did not happen. Not really going to overthink it other than that, but that is a little bit of a downer uh, for folks who are suckers like myself of the whole Holiday Brothers together and the Antetokounmpo's together, you know, and the balls, that those kind of siblings all kind of reaching a common goal, getting together there and, and having that moment to either share jerseys or be in the game at the same time, whatever the case may be, you know, that's something cool to me, especially in a game like this where the Spurs were ahead pretty comfortably. I mean, 131 to 119, you know. It was close, kind of moving up, but toward the end, you definitely could have put him in there. So, uh, no thoughts on that, aside from what I just shared. Uh, you just would have loved to see that. Miami and Orlando. Miami looked like Miss Jay Crowder. I'm not going to lie. They did. Uh, first off, let's go through the numbers. Bam Adebayo, man. Dude's still a monster, in case you didn't know. 25 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. Jimmy Butler, same. 19 points. Three rebounds, seven assists. Those two keyed the Heat attack. Also, you know what they have in common? Neither of them. They joined the DeMar DeRozan uh, memorial list. Uh, neither of them thought about a three-pointer <laughs> at all. Uh, space in the floor, where they do that at? Not in Miami, where they shot 7-20 from three. Uh, Tyler Hero. Ah, Tyler Hero. People want to talk about him being the centerpiece of a James Harden trade. Are we serious, y'all? 13.6 rebounds, four assists. Doesn't look that bad. 6-14 from the field, 1-5 from three. Uh, vacillating between being a gunner and someone who wants to be more of a playmaker and kind of failing at both. Not high on him. Not high. Especially the centerpiece. Like, I just wanted to attack that for a second because everyone's talking like Heat fans. Oh, I would never give Tyler Hero for that. James Harden's a cancer to the team. Yada, yada. And James Harden, we'll talk about him in a minute. He is, he's something else. James Harden is something else right now. I'm not going to pretend that that guy is, is in any way good right now. But, come on. You'd rather have Tyler Hero right now? Are you kidding me? Duncan Robinson, 30 minutes. Uh, you were hoping that he'd bring more than threes and occasional rebounds, and if you were hoping that, you were disappointed. 14 points, five rebounds, knocked down three threes. That was the extent of it. Mo Harkless, recent uh, free agent acquisition from New York, three points in his 22 minutes, two rebounds, one assist, non-factor. Off the bench, Goran Dragic, uh, 20 points, seven assists, four rebounds. He played really well for them. Uh, looked like he has recovered from that plantar fascia injury that he had suffered already. So that is good to see. Uh, Kelly Olenek got some time, didn't do anything with it. And honestly, that you could say for the rest of the Heat bench. Uh, Andre Godala, four rebounds in 16 minutes. 
one steal and one block. That's what you can expect from him, especially, you know, almost being 37 as a bench player, but still, it's not like you're excited about that. Uh, Precious Chua, another rookie watch, three or four from the field, eight points, three rebounds, two or four from the free throw line. Kendrick Nunn got eight minutes, did nothing with them, and that was really it. Avery Bradley, Chris Silva, Udonis Hazen, Myers Leonard, and Casey uh, uh, Akpala did not play, so you had that. For the Magic, though, now these are where you had some stars. First off, let's start with Evan Fournier, who... If y'all have heard me on Twitter, on any podcast, I'm not a big Evan Fournier fan. Not because he's in a solid two-guard. He is. He's like a B-plus two-guard. But come postseason, he turns like a D-plus to a straight-up F. Well, he played well. 25 points, four rebounds. Or 25 points, four assists, three steals. He did not record a rebound. What he did do was shoot a blazing 9 of 13 from the field. Knocked down three threes as well. Markel Fultz, remember he got that extension, 15 points, five rebounds, four assists. Did not make a three out of three that he took, but at least he's taking them, right? I am a big Markel Fultz fan, so I will be paying special attention to his three-point shooting because if he starts getting that around, then I think he justifies the contract that he has. And I have a great guest I'm be talking about uh, all these 2017 rookie extensions with uh, in this next uh, over the weekend. So stay tuned. I'm going to hold all thoughts for then, but I am very excited to talk about this with him. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Dwayne Bacon got the start, did nothing with it. Three point, three rebounds, three assists, O for everything from the field. But this is where I think Jay Crowder would have helped. Aaron Gordon, the dude played. Didn't record an assist, but the dude had 20 points, seven rebounds, four steals, eight of 11 from the field, knocked down a three, three of six from the line. He paced them. He played very well in that front court spot, especially alongside a Nikola Vucevic, who didn't score very well, at least efficiently, but did tally up some numbers. 15 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh, Terrence Ross came off the bench. Terrence Ross has, like, one of the best jobs right now. He's a gunner. He knows it. The Atlanta Magic know it. They put him in this role to come off the bench and do just what he does, and that's just what he did. Uh, 6 of 14 from the field, 19 points, 3 rebounds, 1 assist. Cole Anthony, rookie watch again, 6.6 assists, not bad in 19 minutes. Uh, is he pushing for Markel Fultz's starting minutes? No, not yet. But not bad to see him have that so far. Ultimately, it's a really tight game, especially down to the close. But Orlando, they, they held on. They pulled away. They did what they had to do. Uh, the pace of this game, slow, y'all. Offensive rating for both teams, Orlando 107, Miami 102. Uh, real close game throughout. But Orlando made the plays down the stretch that they needed to win this and and, and, and take it home. And if you're Miami, again, you're still a very solid team. But I think that this this is like maybe the beginning of a wake-up call to say, hey, that final team that you were, this is not what y'all are now. Do you have the, the, the potential to be there? Of course y'all do. Y'all still got two of your, your main guys still there. You still have a very solid bench. Y'all still do. But, like, you had some losses. The additions that you made don't quite make up for those losses. The Eastern Conference got that much tougher. And let's be real, the bubble, as great as it was, because I'm not going to slander the bubble, it was different. It was different. That's all I'm going to say. This Heat team is also different. So take that for all you have for uh, grains of salt there. <laughs> Going to run through two more games here real quick. Um, Minnesota beat Detroit 111-101. to 101. Um, Really emotional night for Carl Anthony Towns. First game that he's been back um, since, you know, the hellacious year that he had this past season. Yuhar um, really does go out to him and everything that he went through. He had 22 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, 6 attempts from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. Really paced the the, the Timberwolves' attack. Uh, Malik Beasley also played well. Didn't shoot the 3-ball especially well, 3-9, and nine, but he was another guy in double figures. Uh, he actually led the Wolves in scoring, both teams. In fact, 23 points, 
10 to 18 from the field, four rebounds. Josh Koji got the start, 12 points. Uh, Ricky Rubio uh, started for D'Angelo Russell, who was, I think, from what I hear, late for COVID tests, and the Minnesota Timberwolves are not uh, playing games with that, definitely taking that seriously. So Rubio got the start, three points, three assists, two steals. think he'll be better coming off the bench. I mean, not only did he probably get more practice time with them and maybe not have that cohesion with the rest of the Timberwolves, but just in general as, like, a fit for him. Uh, Jake Lehman uh, did not do anything in his 16 minutes. I'm going to leave him alone. Russell off the bench, uh, who you could really kind of look at as a starter. In this case, flip-flop the two uh, between him and Rubio. 18 points, five rebounds, four assists, looked decent, knocked down four three-pointers, had himself a game. Anthony Edwards, uh, rookie watch, <laughs> been saying that for a minute now. He had 15 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, didn't shoot super efficiently. 5 of 12 on the field, 1 of 5 from 3. But, hey, I like it. My fantasy team likes it because we put him on that points, yo. Um, Jared Culver, he played uh, the next amount of minutes. 10 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists. 3 balls still not there. Uh, same for Nas Reed, who had 8 points and 5 rebounds. And then Juan Hummer. Hernan Gomez, I'm not I'm not gonna lie, I said this already. I'm gonna say this until I'm blue in the face or until the show ends or whatever the case may be, but I was not a fan of him being the guy they settled with for a power forward. I mean, he didn't even get the start for one. But like also, he's a decent player. But just not someone I just don't know where his fit is. Defensively, no. If he's not making shots, he's not useful. Um I, I, I don't know. I just maybe I'm just not naturally high on the guy. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, I know I'm not naturally high on him, but I thought that... I just don't know if he was a good fit for you. I just don't know if he was. Um, by by signing him as a quote-unquote power forward, you're essentially saying, hey, we don't have power forward. We're looking for a starting power forward if you were Minnesota. And the crazy thing to me is that the guy that you cut, that you waived, Ronnie Hollis Jefferson, he had the potential to be that guy. The perfect small ball, junk it up, big dude who wouldn't look for points, brings that defensive versatility, brings you that rebounding, brings you something of a gravity up, just vertically, um, in terms of rolling to the basket hard, not needing the ball on offense. I mean, the, Hernan Gomez is like the exact opposite of that. The exact. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, for Detroit, Blake Griffin, man, 35 points in his uh, first game back in a bit. Three ball was not there, took five, missed all of them, but 15 points, seven rebounds, two assists. I think if he played better, uh, Detroit's more in it. He did not, and they weren't. Uh, rookie watch for Killian Hayes. Eh, seven points, uh, three assists, not a whole lot there. DeLon Wright got the other start. The backcourt uh, for the Pistons overall was rather underwhelming, at least for the starters. Five points, four assists for DeLon Wright. Mason Plumlee, the big money man, 14 points, eight rebounds, six assists, doing what Plumlee does. This is why he got paid. I'm only partially joking. Uh, Jeremy Grant, he wanted that bigger role, right? What did he do? Hmm. Nine points, one rebound, three assists, four of 11 shooting, one of five from three. I am especially, Jeremy Grant is getting my 2009 Trevor Ariza Award, 2010 Trevor Ariza Award. If you guys don't remember, guys and gals, Trevor Ariza uh, coming off of the Lakers championship in 2009, went to Houston in 2010, uh, presumably for a bigger role, despite everyone going, hey, he's not the type of guy that I think you give a higher usage to, and, uh, you know, he succeeds in that. Like, he's kind of who he is. But you have that one year or two years maybe where a player who is in a role that's been pretty successful goes, okay, now it's time for me to spread my wings. Um, Ariza did not spread his wings in Houston with a higher role. In fact, he had one of the worst seasons of his career, uh, got traded to Washington, went right back to playing the way that he normally played. Um, actually got traded to New Orleans first. Went right back to playing the way that he normally played and was decent. And he's been in the league ever since. Not that he was ever going to be out of the league, but I'm just saying in terms of the role that he's been in, 
that's what he had. So, yeah, Jeremy Grant, he's getting my uh, Trevor Reese award because I didn't see it then when he assigned originally to the Lodge that he had more of a role. What was he looking for? Aside from 3 and D, he doesn't really have a whole lot off the bounce. He's not a great finisher at all. Like, what were we hoping to see? What was he hoping to see? And what have we not seen yet? Anything that we expected from him. So that's my brief Jeremy Grant rant. Off the bench, I think that's where if you're Detroit, you have some hope. Uh, especially for one Josh Jackson, who I soured on in terms of immaturity in Phoenix and just lack of any consistency, uh, especially from the offensive end. But the dude played, and he played well. 19 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists in 28 minutes, 8 of 14 from the field. He knocked down three threes. He's a guy I expect to get more minutes. I could see him supplant uh, maybe DeLon Wright moving forward. Killian Hayes is going to get all the minutes because he's a rook. Jeremy Grant, you didn't bring him over for nothing. Same with Mason Plumlee. And Blake Griffin is Blake Griffin. So really the only shot in play, the only slot in play, is right spot. spot. And if I see uh, Josh Jackson playing the way that he played already, I, I, I slot that and I do that quickly. Derrick Rose played well. He was the best point guard on the Pistons roster. 15 points, 6 assists, 7-13 from the field, knocked down a 3. Uh, missed two free throws, but I mean, it wasn't like they were that close. So, you know, it's not a super huge deal. Uh, Sekou Dumboya. 13 minutes, 6 points, 9 rebounds. Is he on a leash? I don't know. It's a local 4, 4, 7 from the field, 8 points, 7 rebounds. Did okay there as well. Ultimately, Detroit, uh, although they did shoot better, uh, effective field goal percentage was better, they just did not convert the line. They were, they didn't convert at the line because they barely went to the line. 3 of 8 from the free throw line. Like, let's just pause. Blake Griffin had the 3 of 5, right? Derrick Rose, 0 of 2. Second to boy 001, and that's all, folks. <laughs> and no, I'm not playing with you. Uh, compare that to a sparkling 24 of 28 from the free throw line for the Timberwolves, and I think you have some of the difference there, especially since Detroit was not making up that difference from three-point land, shooting 22%, 8 of 35 from there, whereas Minnesota, not much better, 26%, but they got it more and they made more, shooting 11 of 41. So, I mean, Detroit, it was in the offense, in my opinion. This wasn't a pretty game. Uh, aside from Carl Towns, who, you know, was slow at the gate, but definitely found his rhythm by the end of that first quarter he was rolling, um, that, that was the difference between those guys. All right, let's go on to some of the bigger games here. Uh, I am breaking down more than I thought I would for some of them, but listen, it's opening night, you kind of go, got to go ham. Uh, Sacramento and Denver, man, that was a classic, uh, really fun game to have watched. This was a game that, on the Hoopball Discord chat, oh, man. We were just having fun. Definitely. Again, a shameless plug. I do not care. Check it out. This that The Hoopball Discord chat is going to be a lifesaver for fantasy basketball fans, but really just anyone who wants to have good conversations throughout the season because it was lit all night. In fact, my phone is still pinging with these notifications that I can't get rid of. Bing, bing, bing. It's 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 a mess. Um, It's wild. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that was a lot of fun, y'all. That was a lot of fun. But... What a bonkers start for this season for the Kings. Oh, my goodness. It was insane. So, it went to overtime. I'm just going to do Cliff Notes' version of this. Game went to overtime. Jamal Murray fouled out. Jamal Murray, by the way, y'all. Jamal Murray was awful. Awful. Remember, a lot of it, the talk was, okay, Denver, if this Jamal Murray we saw in the bubble was the Jamal Murray that's, that's going to be moving forward, he's an all-NBA player, he's an all-star, you know, the Nuggets are definitely going to be battling for a number one seed, all that good stuff. Murray in 34 minutes, nine points, four rebounds, four assists, one of nine from the field, 0 of five from three, nothing, absolutely nothing. 
And this is what I was worried about. That consistency with Jamal Murray might just be a thing now. The highs are high and the lows are so low. It was crazy. More offensive responsibility was put on Jokic than even before. Of the Nuggets, 28 assists. Jokic had 14 of them. Exactly half of those came from Nikola Jokic. The playmaking responsibility is so much skewed on Nikola that it's insane. And he came through. 29 points, 15 rebounds, the aforementioned 14 assists. He was making shots to keep them in the game, to even push this game to overtime. Especially with Gary Harris only giving you 10 points. Paul Millsap playing well, giving you 16. Um, Michael Porter getting the start over Will Barton. 24 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. He looked really well. Will Barton looked good off the bench too. 16 points, 2 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, slightly, you know, less good shooting uh, than Michael Porter despite taking more shots, but I-, I think that is probably a better spot for Barton anyway. More room to run, more uh, room to really just kind of control the offense. I-, I don't understand what this argument is over starting other than just status, and I've been here longer and yada yada. In my mind, Michael Porter is definitely the more accomplished offensive player even this early. Yes, this early. And I think you put him in the starting lineup, and you give Will Barton that room off the bench to go cook and do what he needs to do there. Um... Those are my thoughts. Monte Morris did not have a good game after he got his little extension. Uh, two points, two rebounds in 16 minutes. P.J. Dozier, not a whole lot there. Hartenstein, uh, Compazzo, same. So we're just going to keep it moving there and go to what actually happened in this game, really just after overtime. So six and a half seconds left to play. Nicole Jokic has the ball. Harrison Barnes, who had been playing very well in the overtime, forces Jokic to lose the ball. Darren Fox swoops in, picks it up, Pitches it ahead to Barnes. Barnes goes up for a tomahawk dunk in the closing seconds over a defender. I was like, yo, if he yams this, yo, this is wow. He doesn't. He misses it. But Buddy Heald, who is playing right behind all these guys, gets one hand on the rebound and tips it in to win the game at the buzzer. This is insane. And Sacramento, I mean, they dictate the pace against the Nuggets. And the Nuggets were in Denver. You know how between the way the Nuggets play and where they play at, that that's usually a home court advantage, like a real home court advantage, but not not today or not last night. Sacramento came, stole that game. They were playing catch-up for most of the first half because Denver was shooting very well. I already mentioned Barton and Porter were really good from the field. So, you know, Sacramento was definitely kind of going from the back and trying to close the gap and get it stretched out, close the gap, that sort of thing. Uh, Sacramento got two within two, but then Denver made a push to finish the half up seven. But instead... Come to third quarter, the Kings immediately ramped up that pressure, got six straight points, took the lead on a Marvin Bagley basket. Uh, They outscored the Kings, the Nuggets, in that third quarter. Uh, Just through the entire game, the Nuggets had no answer for De'Aaron Fox. None. Uh, Jamal Murray fought out, also, (laughs) to add to his uh, horrible game, trying to figure out uh, what to do about De'Aaron Fox. And the answer was, there was nothing you could do. Nothing you could do. The The dude was on fire. But it wasn't just him. Uh... Buddy Heald, 22 points, obviously the game winner. Four rebounds, three assists, uh, five three-pointers. Marvin Bagley did not have a great game. I'm not even going to say that he did. 13 points, nine rebounds. Could not solve the um, <laughs> he could not solve the Nikola Jokic problem. In fact, he couldn't. Rashawn Holmes couldn't. Both of those guys fought out. Buddy Heald was in foul trouble with five. Uh, the, Hassan Whiteside had two and was largely ineffective in his minutes, but they needed somebody to be able to really defend Jokic, uh, and Bielitsa was not the one, really. So you, you kind of had those issues there as well. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, rookie watch as <laughs> my third one, or fourth, 12 points and four assists, two rebounds off the bench. 
hit two threes. He was two of five from there, but two big threes in the fourth quarter to really keep the Kings in that game and narrow the gap, even make it possible for an overtime to be had. Yes, he missed a wide open one that probably would have sealed the game before it even reached an overtime. But, you know, say la vie, it happens, right? Uh, Rashawn Holmes, like I said, fouled out. Six points, nine rebounds. He did decent, uh, in my opinion. You know, you're not expecting a whole lot from him aside from limited production and good rebounding and hopefully uh, south defense. Um, Darren Fox, yo. Yeah, 8 of 20 from the field. Only took two threes, made one. But 21 points, seven assists. And when I say the dude was fast, yo, like the dude was constantly putting pressure on that Denver transition defense, forcing it down their gut just again and again and again. And it was really good to see. Played with a lot more pace. Didn't have the most effective game as far as efficiency is concerned. But listen, the guy's a star. We already know this moving on. So that was something. Corey Joseph cobbled together a very good game off the bench. In just under 30 minutes, alongside Tyrese Halliburton, 15 points, 4 assists, 6% shooting, 2 three-pointers. Solid. Really, really solid. But getting back to that game. I mean, that game winner, yo, that was that was insane. That was insane. Uh, the Kings came over. They uh, took over in the third the Nuggets clawed, the, clawed back down the stretch. Uh, the Kings, they had to go to their vets. Their 28-year-olds, Buddy Hield and Harrison Barnes. And Barnes helped them in the fourth quarter in overtime with some good drives to the basket. Hield obviously made five of the team's 10 three-pointers in all and did really good on defense. Even stood up Jokic in the post uh, a couple times. Um, not for long because Jokic was just a beast. But these are the reasons that the Kings were able to literally steal this game from Denver. Now, what major takeaways for Denver? Obviously, I'm looking at Jamal Murray. Like, what are we doing, bro? No, seriously. Like, are you going to be that guy? Is this just opening dud? Because that happens. It's just that we've seen that Murray has a history of this. This isn't the first time. Or the second or the third. He has these really high games and really high years, and then he does this. At the same time, part of me is saying, Corbin, relax. It's game one. Like, calm down. But this is a game where, I mean, could you couldn't do better than one and nine? You couldn't, you couldn't do better than that? Those are my thoughts. But uh, Aaron Bruski, shout out to to the the founder here. Uh, I'm sure he had a lot of fun watching that game. Uh, The Kings played well. The Kings made the game. If you don't like that, nope, not going to finish that because uh, not applicable to this Kings team, especially when they have the GOAT, Mark Jones, on the call. So, uh, yeah, just a real lot of fun for the Sacramento Kings team. All right. Bucks versus Celtics. This was one of the marquee games. This was a really, really good game. At the end, Giannis, who, of course, was the talk of this talk of the town starting off, he is the talk of it after this game. Giannis had 18 points in the fourth quarter. He finished with 35 points and 13 rebounds. But guess what happened? With 8.9 seconds left in this very tight game, the ball ended up in Jason Tatum's hands, left side of the court. You had Antetokounmpo, the reigning defensive player of the year, on him. Tatum dribbled around, tried to create an opening, settled for a difficult sidestep three-pointer on that left side that arced over his hands, hit the backboard, backboard, excuse me, and went straight in for the Celtics. Now, Budenhoser said he's not sure he could defend Tatum much better than he did. That's true. Giannis did very well. This was like an early Christmas miracle for the Celtics. Uh, Boston was going crazy. Uh, even Tatum said after over the fact that he wasn't trying to get off the glass, but that he knew with the angle that he had and how tall that Giannis was, that he was going to have to try to that he was going to have to at least get it up there, and that it was going to hit the backboard, but it wasn't intentional. Uh, still, there was 0.4 seconds left on the clock, and this is where it's Giannis time. So what the Bucks initially did, they had one final shot at the basket. So there's normally that you get your big guys out there, you get a big lineup, get your best passer, 
or your biggest guy, or if you're lucky, your biggest guy who also happens to be your best passer to inbounds the ball. You loft it up to some other big guys. Put the ball in play. Let's hopefully they get fouled. You know, uh, a tip slam. We saw the Suns go with Tyson Chandler a couple of years back. Something to kind of get that because you don't have a lot of time to gather and shoot. I'm sorry, you don't have any time to gather and shoot. You get the ball, you throw it down. You get the ball, you get fouled. That is the option, right? So the Celtics knew this. This is a common procedure uh, in this type of situation. What they try to do? They wanted to have Antetokounmpo inbound the ball at first. He was going to lob to throw um, to uh, Brooke Lopez. Coach Buttonholes will call timeout. Scratch that. Let's call it audible. He decided to have Drew Holiday take the ball out. Drew Holiday takes the ball out with the goal now to throw it up to Giannis, which makes a lot more sense. Giannis can get fouled. He can finish the play, whatever the case may be. So Antetokounmpo even said after the fact, he told Drew, just throw the ball high, and I'm going to just go get it. Holiday, by the way, 25 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, played very well. He made Bucks fans realize that, no, you do not have Eric Bledsoe at the point guard position, y'all. Shout out to Eric Bledsoe. We were talking about him. He had a great game. But still, Drew Holiday is, there's levels to this game, y'all. There's levels to this game, and, and Drew Holiday's up there. Um, with that being said, uh, Drew Holiday lobs the ball up. Antetokounmpo gets fouled by Tristan Thompson. That gives him two free throws. He makes both free throws. The game is tied. You're going to overtime. Simple. No, no doubt about that. Giannis makes the first free throw. Great. Just one more to go. Giannis' second comes up <laughs> well short. Ball ricocheted, went back to ward him, deflected off a player, rolled away, game, set, match. Now, the talk, obviously, in you know, this opening night, opening week is no shortage of storylines. But one of them now is, wow, Giannis could have won the could have tied the game there. The game was on the line. The game was in your hands. What happened? Why did you fail? You know, that sort of thing. Especially given his free throw shooting, which hasn't exactly always been, I mean, come on, let's just be real, it's been an area that he could improve upon his entire career. Uh, even playing as well as he did in that fourth quarter. He said, hey, you learn from that, he's upset about it, but you can't change it, it's done. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, that 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 is simply what that is. Not a whole lot to, to break down there. You obviously wish he would have made the free throw. Knowing his free throw and, and overall shooting struggles and knowing that that's part of a game that's his weakness, you would hope he works on it more. And it seems he works on it, but each year the form changes. Each year it's still ineffective. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know what he needs, but obviously this is a sign that, hey, if you're in big moment situations like this, and that's a liability for you, and you're a player who's going to have the ball in his hands, and yeah, you're Drew Holiday who can take some pressure off, but at the end of the day, the ball's still going to be in your hands. Like, that's, that's what you've got to control. You're the star. You're the superstar. That's on your hands. What are you going to do? And, uh, yeah, tough loss for the Bucks there. But Jason Tatum, man, the way that he played, holy moly. 30 points in a game that he said was bad uh, after the fact. And, I mean, yeah, like, could he have shot better? Um, okay, sure. 12-28 from the field. 6-13 from the field. Or 6-13 from three. Seven rebounds, two assists. Like, yeah, he could have shot better, but still. Jalen Brown, man, 13-24. 33 points to lead all, um, at least all Celtic scores. Five rebounds, four assists. He played well. Tristan Thompson got the start, 12 points, eight rebounds. Uh, Marcus Smart was starting point guard because remember we do not, they do not have um, Kemba Walker. Three points, seven assists. Uh, a lot of time came for Jeff Teague off the bench who played a lot better. 19 points, four assists. Uh, four of four from three. He played very well. This is what I'm excited to see from Jeff T because I was not high on him uh, coming over after the year he had last year with Minnesota and Atlanta. But if you can play like this, I'm not saying you're going to get 19 and four. You know, that's, that's like a situational thing. But even like eight and four, you know, uh, nine and five, something solid like that. With the minutes he's getting, he's going to have more time, more production. He had 25 minutes last night. 
uh, you know, he's going to get more of an opportunity. But playing as well as he did, do I expect him to knock down four four three-pointers? No, of course not. But this was really solid for him. Uh, Semi Ozerle, five points, four boards. Uh, Grant Williams, three points. Peyton Pritchard, three points. Rookie watch, one of four from the field. Robert Williams, four points in 12 minutes. Uh, are you seeing a, a, a thing here? 19 points for Jeff Teague. Five, three, three, four. It's coming off the bench. Boston's bench. Is it still a weakness? Heck, yes, it is still a weakness. All year production, 122 points. 33 for Jalen Brown. 30 for Jason Tatum. 12 for Tristan Thompson. 10 for Daniel Tice. 19 for Jeff Teague. And that is all, folks. Yes, I'm concerned about Boston's men moving forward. There's a lot of concerns I have about them, but you put more and more pressure on the development of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to make anything happen. And it took a prayer of a three-pointer to beat the Bucks. A prayer of one. Yes, by a very talented shot maker, but still. I rest my case. That bench, man. Whew. Now, when Kemba Walker comes, are you able to put, like, one of the starters back off the bench? Then yes, but who? Marcus Smart? You know, uh, Tristan Thompson? You're not exactly bringing high-quality shot making off the bench if you put one of those guys off the bench. You have one of those guys starting because they fill specific needs that you need as a starter right now. But you still have a weakness off the bench in terms of great production. You can't be throwing a playoff rotation all season, especially in a truncated 72-game season. I mean, for real. Anyways, those are my thoughts on that. That's a concern I'm looking forward um, at as, as something that definitely needs to be monitored. All right, two more games to breeze through. A really fun one between Philadelphia and Washington. Joel Embiid played like a beast, despite Bradley Beal scoring a game-high 31 points. Uh, the 76ers pulled off the win, 113-107. Bradley Beal, 11-22 from the field, 31 points, as I already mentioned. Two rebounds, three assists. Russell Westbrook, first game back. Yeah, got a Russell Westbrook game. 40% from the field, took two threes, missed both, airballed one. 22 points, 11 rebounds, 15 assists. Is that a triple-double? Yes, that's a triple-double. Is that the first triple-double in a Washington Wizards debut ever in their franchise history? Yes, indeed it is. You know why? Because Russ does what he wants. <laughs> Denny Advida, Advija took the start, played decent, seven points, four rebounds, one assist, uh, knocked down both of his threes. Thomas Bryant, eh, defensively got cooked by Embiid, like repeatedly cooked. We already know he's not a very strong defender, but oh my gosh, it was tragic. Ten points. Missed all three of his threes. Was not knocking down the pick-and-pop shot. He did convert a, a few pick-and-rolls uh, with Russell Westbrook. Did finish around the basket decently. Got to the free-throw line uh, once on a, a nice and one that he just missed the free-throw. Um, five rebounds. Not a very good game for him. Uh, Isaac Bonga. Five points. Three rebounds. Uh, decent for him. Ishmith off the bench did okay. Seven points. Four rebounds. Three assists. Troy Brown. Uh, the real guy off the bench was Davis Bertans. 14 points. Knocked down some deep deep threes. That was fun, man. Bertans is a flamethrower. That was a lot of fun to watch. Robin Lopez, he knocked down a 3-2. He also got cooked by Joel Embiid. Just absolutely cooked. In fact, let's talk about him because, yes, Bradley Beal, you know, did the top scoring on us for both squads, but Joel Embiid was a monster. 29 points, 14 rebounds, 58% in the field, knocked down a three. However you wanted, he was giving it to you. He would body people up in the post. He was knocking down his mid-range shot. He was fading away. You got a little mini dream shake. You got a wide open three ball. You named it. He did it. He was the reason. Because the Wizards had most of control of this game. In that third quarter, he helped the 76ers stay in it and even claw back to get the lead. And then it was nip and tuck. The Wizards faded a little bit down the stretch. The 76ers stayed strong. But they did not have a very strong start to this game. The Wizards had control. And Joel Embiid, they played through him and he delivered. Ben Simmons had a solid game himself. He was a perfect accompaniment to Joel Embiid. 16 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, great in transition, 
Uh, even took a couple mid-rangers. Didn't take a three, but I mean, were you expecting it? Seth Curry, Tobias Harris, eh. Let's talk about the two that didn't play well first. I, I can't lump Seth Curry in there. Tobias Harris, 3 of 13 from the field. It's like he never left the playoffs. He is right in bubble form. Danny Green, 1 of 6. Again, also in bubble form. Both of them were 0 of 8 from 3 combined. Both of them combined 12 points. 12 points on 19 shot attempts. 4 of 19 combined between the two. It was pretty ugly. In fact, uh, Coach Doc Rivers saw that, turned to Shake Milton more down the stretch. Furcon and Korkmaz got more time. Seth Curry got more time. Shake Milton off the bench, 19 points, 3 assists, played very well. Seth Curry, 4-8 from the field, did not shoot the 3 well, but he had some tough finishes, some tough shots, 13 points, 4 assists. Uh, he, he had a good game. Korkmaz, 3 threes, 11 points, solid. Dwight Howard came off the bench in ten in 13 minutes, got you four points and 10 boards. Uh, he is spelling uh, Joel Embiid as that big, and he played okay. Tyrese Max even got some time, and rookie watch there, six points. Solid. Six points, two rebounds, two assists. So that that's what you got from, uh, from Tyrese. All in all, I mean, good game. It was enjoyable. It was entertaining. Uh, you wish the Wizards, I mean, at least I do, <laughs> would have made more shots down the stretch. But watching Joel Embiid take absolute control was just, it was phenomenal. It, it was it was fun. I think there's a blueprint there. You have to hope that Harris and Green can step up a lot more than they did. But there's a blueprint there for them to be the successful team that I really think that they will be this season. Play through Joel Embiid. Play through Ben Simmons. Get some adequate shooting from your ancillary players. And ride that wave. All right. Last one to breach through here. Uh, Phoenix beat Dallas 106-102 to in part because Devin Booker cannot be stopped, but also in part because Mikel Bridges is a very, very solid player. Devin Booker, 22 points, pedestrian 8-15 of from the field, but he made some clutch shots late, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. Um, Mikel Bridges, 18 points, 7 boards, 4 three-pointers, uh, really helped the Suns kind of pull away, especially in games where Jay Crowder shot 1 for 6 and Chris Paul shot 3 for 9. Uh, they just didn't have it tonight. Uh, those two guys, even though Jay Crowder did give you nine rebounds and Chris Paul did give you five assists, it just wasn't their game. DeAndre Aiden also did not play well. 13 points, battled some foul trouble, faded away on a lot more shots than he should have. Five and nine from the field, eight rebounds. Don't let the numbers fool you. It was not a very good game. Cam Johnson off the bench and Cameron Payne played well. Cam and Cam, Johnson and Johnson, except that Cameron Payne isn't Cameron Johnson, but I so wish it was. 15 points for Johnson, along with 5 rebounds. 11 points for Payne, along with 3 rebounds and 3 assists. Jalen Smith, rookie watch, uh, 4 points, one, 3 rebounds, 1 assist in 60 minutes. Javon Carter missed all 3 threes. Uh, he was on the court. <laughs> Langston Galloway did a lot better. 11 points in 8 minutes, 4 of 5, 2 of 2 from 3. One of those being a 4-point play. That was the guy who balled out. He's a great addition to that Phoenix team. Damian Jones... Eh, I don't even know why he's on the team, y'all. I'm not going to lie. He played. He played seven minutes. You know what the dude did? He got one rebound for you. He got one steal. He got one block. He got five fouls. Are you putting him out there to throw a big man out there, be aggressive, get your team into the, get the other team in the bonus real quick, and then foul out or nearly? Because that's crazy. That's very reminiscent to Marcus All. Uh, you know, in that opener against the Clippers. Except Marcus Gasol just didn't have a good matchup. Damian Jones just isn't a good player. Like, it's not that hard. This isn't rocket science. I, I don't understand it, but whatever. Uh, not a good game for him. Interesting choice by Monty Williams. They all, every every coach, I, I have a theory. Every coach has that one guy. A guy that everyone else can look at from the outside in and go, why is he playing? But that coach will ride or die with him. They will risk their entire life. Coaching life, that is. With that player. 
be it a Pat McCaw or a Damian Jones. Maybe it's just ex-Warriors. Maybe it's just ex-Warriors. Maybe that's what it is. They go to different teams and coaches go, wow, he's part of that vaunted Warriors dynasty. I have to play him, even though he wasn't a part of it at all. He was on the bench, and he sucks, but I have to play him. Anyway, kind of pedestrian game. Let's look at Dallas real quick. Luka Doncic did not have a great game uh, by his standards, even though the numbers look pretty good. Uh, some of that buttressed by the fact that he had to line so many times, 10-12 from the line, 32 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, but he did shoot 11-26 from the field. He was 0-6 from 3. Dorian Finney-Smith, 11 points on 11 shots. Tim Hardaway, 12 points on 10 shots. You're getting a common trend here, right? You're seeing this. Josh Richardson, 12 points on 11 shots off the bench. Max Kleber, 10 points on 8 shots. Trey Burke, 7 points on 6 shots. Jalen Brunson, now that guy played well. 18 minutes, 5-8 from the field, 12 points, 4 assists, 2 rebounds. The reason that the that Mavericks were even in that game uh, throughout the closing stretches. He was a guy. But for the rest of it, I mean, efficiency-wise, not super good. 42% from the field as a team, 24% from three. I mentioned how many shots and how many points to show you how many shots it took to reach those points. It was not a very efficient game for anyone outside of, what, Brunson? I mean, Josh Richardson looked okay, but that was it. So, not a whole lot to add there. Um, Dallas, you know, they are missing Chris Porzingis. They did um, incorporate some new players. They're trying to see how that works. Phoenix has actually matched up very well with the Mavs in the past. So this may be just another case of that. And uh, yeah, that's, that's why you have what you have. All right. Nightly Notable. I look news every night. The five top performances from the games before. So here's number five for me. Nikola Jokic. Yes, a triple-double getting number five on my Nightly Notable. Yes, he is. 29 points, 15 rebounds, 14 assists for Nikola Jokic. Brandon Ingram is number four. Brandon Ingram had himself a game. Uh, first real game is like the main offensive hub for the Pelicans, which I ultimately see him as. 24 points, 9 rebounds, 11 assists, and 3 steals for Ingram. Number 3, Scary Terry. You knew I had to get my boy Terry Rozier in there. 42 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 10 of 16 from 3. That's a monster, and I don't care how you cut or slice him. Would you have liked more rebounds and assists? Yes, that might have bumped him to number 2, possibly number 1. But he gets number 3, and that's solid in itself. Number 2, Trey Young. 37 points, 6 boards, 7 assists, 5 of 6 from 3, totally electric from the field, carried the Hawks, and they didn't really need much carrying the way they played, but really solid for him. And number 1, Ja, Ja Morant, 44 points, a career high for the brother, 2 rebounds and 9 assists. Yes, it came in a loss, I was going to knock him down to 2, but with that, with a career high like that, I mean, I had to. The only other option for me was putting Terry Rozier 1, but then he lost 2, so... You know, couldn't do it. All right, games to watch if y'all are sleeping. Games to watch if y'all were missing some games. Uh, last night, without a doubt, in terms of really solid games, I'm going to go with Denver and Sacramento and Boston and Milwaukee. Denver-Sacramento, what a wacky finish, but what a really good game, all in all. Check that out. Boston-Milwaukee, same thing. Ebbs and flows throughout, but in the end it got real close. That Jason Tatum shot is well worth it, and the final finish, the little bit of uh, chess playing between Bood, Bood and uh, Bood. <laughs> Budenholzer, I was stuck between saying Bud and Bud. Budenholzer and Stevens, a lot of fun, for sure. All right, what I'm reading and watching. Uh, 
at the start of every year for the past five years, I got this friend of mine, Niku Mystery. You can follow him on Twitter, at Niku Mystery. He puts out an NBA almanac. He's done that, like I said, every year for the past five years. It is a must for Hoop fans. It is chock full of stats and data on teams, players, and the league at large. So he makes that available. He usually puts it out on Reddit. You can definitely check that online. Uh, you can view that for free. Uh, but he also prints them out in beautiful books that you can order as well. Uh, reach out to him on Twitter for more information on that. But suffice it for now to say this. I own a few copies of it already. I'll be picking up a few more very soon. It is well worth it. Definitely make sure to look at that. All right. So I'll do it about here for this uh, monster edition of NBA Today. You know where to find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Check out HoopBall. Like I said, the HoopBall Discord chat, y'all. That is the best thing popping right now. At HoopBall tweets on Twitter, hoop-ball.com online. HoopBall360 is up there right now. Again, fantasy basketball started. You want the edge. You want to get that lead. Uh, you know where to go. It's it's on HoopBall, in case you didn't. I'm letting you know. Also, one last thing. Got some amazing partnerships that we are proud to work with. Uh, one of them being one I'm especially excited about, Manscaped. Lawnmower 3.0 season. And and for me, uh, some of it, uh, you know, it's wintertime, so I'm going to keep some of the hair, but wink, wink, some of it has to go. Uh, check it out. <laughs> Lawnmower 3.0 it has everything you need. If you're thinking of electric trimmer in 2020, 2021, uh, you're thinking of Lawnmower 3.0. You just don't know it yet. And you can get your hands on it with HoopBall using the promo code HoopBall20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0 to get 20% off your order plus free shipping. HoopBall20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0 to get 20% off your order plus, plus free shipping. All right, y'all. It's been a blast, an absolute blast. Have another show coming with you tomorrow. I'm going to have my guy Will on. We're going to talk about the games of tonight. We're going to talk about, ooh, wait a second. I was about to move on. We didn't talk about the games that are going to be played tonight. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I'm about to be like, all right, y'all, bye. Like, let, let's take a moment here and at least see. At least see what's going down. Jeez. All right, y'all ready, y'all ready, for, y'all ready for, uh, for these games? I'm joking now. It's Christmas Eve. There are no games tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to get. I had to get y'all. I, I, I like to think that y'all were listening, going, "Well, what are you talking about, dude? Like it's Christmas Eve. No games tonight. So we are good. <laughs> but Christmas. And I'm gonna save that for tomorrow's show because we are previewing every game with my boy Will. So definitely make sure to check that out. In the meantime, I am Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. Alright, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.